a basket of knowledge to nurture and nourish the haora, the well-being of the community and voluntary sector. It is a collection of taonga treasures, including wānanga, podcasts and videos that will support you, your whānau and your community. Tu's kōrero was just, it moved my wairua, um, tenana, it kind of moved my everything. I ended up having to um, have a really, actually quite a big cry off to the side. Um, Tu's kōrero was amazing, yeah. Yeah, really powerful yes. um, and honest. Yes. And such a fantastic journey through to find her place. Yeah. And just the power of that to find her haora, to know herself, to choose herself. Uh, I just, I loved that. I just think mm. um, the power of being able to do that um, really speaks to her. And, um, yeah, it's an amazing story to listen to. So I'm really looking forward to hearing how others find that as well. And um, we really appreciated her making the time to have the cordial with us today. We so did. Kia so ora. have a listen. Yeah, have a listen. Right. Tēnā tātou katoa o tira e mihi ana ki a kōrua, te pai nei ko tukunei ki te kōrero i ngā kōrero o te rā nei, ngā kaupapa o te rā ko wai tēnei, ko Tū Chapman tōku i ngā heuri a hau no ngā tika hungunu ki hire taunga, no ngā te awakirangi taiki, no ngā te tūwhare toa no taranaku whānui hoki. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora, Fire. And you're, oh, am I calling you Fire? Yes, I'm just... I've been called sure. worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought, I better be sure, I better be careful. <laughs> um, and, and your mahi, Fire? Your hot meal, Um Where do I start? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's start with the fun stuff. Um, I'm currently the co-chair of Intersex Aotearoa. I am the peak body representing, advocating and lobbying for intersex issues and intersex persons um, throughout Aotearoa. We're the only peak body in New Zealand uh, for, these, for this particular part of Ngāti Uenuku. Um, in addition to that, I'm also the co-chair of Mātātua Takatāpui Trust, um, and we are about to deliver Hui Takatāpui 2022, starting tomorrow here in Tamaki Makoto. And my day job is I'm a senior advisor at Tipuni Kōkiri. Wow. <laughs> just a few things. Then. Just a few things. Just a few. <laughs> just so a few. I, I just want to, before we ask, I, I just want to, for myself and probably for many others, um, Intersex fire. Um, in order to educate us, could you just tell us briefly what that means and what that is, and how do we navigate that space respectively? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's a question that I get asked every minute. 
Sorry. Um, no, no, pay to play, pay to play. It's um, the great thing about people asking questions is um, you kind of get a sense that people are genuinely interested in understanding. And I think for me, um, that makes a huge difference to the mahi that we do. So a short one on one oh one on intersex. The original name for intersex was hermaphrodite. So hermaphrodite being somebody born with both either physical genitalia or internal organs that represent that, you know, didn't fully produce the same as your external physical um, appearance. Um, but the word itself, hermaphrodite, didn't quite sit properly uh, because of the connotations and the associations that society made towards that name, that label. Um, intersex now encompasses a broad range of non-binary, um, those who self-identify, um, those who are born with ambiguous genitalia, um, and those that are born with characteristics, internal organs, that haven't quite fully produced. So you kind of get, how should I put this, the best of both worlds. Nice, 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 nice. I just thought it was really good to ask that part, I, because just out of respect, you know, and, mm. and understanding. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of us just, I shouldn't say a lot of us, but if I speak for myself, it's, it is a genuine wanting to know more. Yeah wanting to be a little bit more educated so you can be respectful um yeah and and get rid of some of those bias I think and those opinions and those stereotypes you know that we often hear and often refer to so kia ora, thank you so much so in terms of your professional life um what what have you seen to in, in terms of haora and well-being what sort of things have you seen over the years that's a tough question because you're probably approaching it from a two-pronged approach from a te ao Māori perspective, but then also from a societal perspective, so to speak. Um, and the dynamics and the intricacies involved in both sides um, around what good haora hinengaro, haora wairua means to people can sometimes get a bit clouded by perceptions, opinions, and... Um, it actually really, really just decimates people when, you know, you, we face those tough, tough things of discrimination, racism, cultural genocide. Um, people sexualize us um, and, you know, categorize us. So you've got all of these impacts. It's taken me a while to figure out what a te ao Māori view looks like when we're thinking about haora hinengaro, haora wairua. Um, and when we're thinking about mental health and mental well-being and what we think our orangatanga should look like, our orangatonitanga should look like. Um, and that's because of colonisation that has impacted our decision-making, the way we think. Um, and so I think about that concept of decolonising our minds, such a true concept when we're trying to think about tuakiritanga and identity for someone like me that sits in you know, in the rainbow community and having to deal with not only being part of the rainbow community in Takatapui, but also being Māori. And then also having this other added dynamic of um, being intersex, which this is probably going to sound really confusing, doesn't quite fit into the rainbow community as such. Um, and it's 
it's not very often we get asked about what we have experienced in our wellbeing journeys um, and how we've coped with that. So, you know, I I could probably talk forever and ever and ever, but like you guys said, you know, sometimes we can get lost in the conversation because it's a coping that's, you know, so dear to me, you know, and it means a lot to to be able to share how we cope, how I've coped, and you know, hoping that we can impart some of that on, on others. So, yeah, it's tough journey and seen lots and lots of things, had lots of impacts because of certain things. Um, yeah, so I hope that answered your question. Really interested. Um as to how you have navigated through your whole order, probably from from being a small child to, to now, and I know that's a big question because it's probably a few years, but, and, you know, I'd, I mean, from a, I'd love to think that uh, from a Taumata perspective we've been embracing and we've been welcoming and we've been accepting. Has You know, what has your... Has that been your experience, Fire? Now, without probably trying to create another situation here, from a very, I was born with ambiguous genitalia, so I have suffered these impacts from birth. Um, and doctors tried to correct that, and it went horribly wrong. And so I've had to live with not only not having a fully developed body in either um, gender, and then having medical treatment performed that didn't quite work, um, the medicalization of our bodies is the term that we use in intersex. And then having the impacts of whānau not understanding what that actually meant, mm. and that old adage of saying, you know, but the doctor said. Mm. You know, that's something that my whānau always took on board is that, but the doctor said. So whatever the doctor says is gospel. Um and so they've just gone through with it, but I didn't realise that these changes were happening, these changes had happened to my body until I was, a, you know, I had a few more brain cells and I was figuring out why I was so traumatised at such a young age. You know, my family, some of my family members um, considered me a curiosity that's the PC way to put it. Mm. And so that led to sexual abuse, sexual, physical and violent you know, and um, I ended up going into state care. And so I became a state ward at a very young age and came out of the system when I was 17. So from about two, three years old, I lived in the system. So the government were my parents. Um, you know, the prime minister of the day was, was my mother or father because a ward of the state meant that you were under the care of um, the crown. Um, subsequently throughout my life, you know, it, it and I've, I've, I have contextualised this and articulated this journey many a time, but every time I do talk about it, it, it the narrative changes, but it all still remains the same. Um, and so, you know, throughout my childhood, you know, I suffered horrendous sexual physical abuse from whānau, but then going into state care as well, that abuse didn't stop. Um, it continued by those who were tasked with my care and protection. So these are impacts upon impacts. And you can only imagine um, the pressures that would put not only on a child, but on a human. 
to you know have to endure so much pain and hurt and mamai. Um, and that ultimately led into you know a life of survival. Mm. You know, and I I had to survive to live. And you know, I lived on the streets. I was shipped from family home to residential care. Um, you name it, up and down the country. You know, I'm one of those statistics that shouldn't be. Um, you know, which gave you a natural segue into either you're going the right way or the wrong way. And for me, it ended up going the wrong way. And so I lived a very long time surviving and, you know, always yearning for love, always yearning for care, and at the same time dealing with the mental impacts of what had happened, what was still happening, your body going through puberty, things weren't growing where they shouldn't have been, things were growing where they should things weren't growing where they should have been and things were growing where they shouldn't have been um and then you know you you find yourself very isolated very siloed and you become disconnected from so many things tell maori being one of them for me totally hated it um because you know i i grew up and still had those fond memories of you know your whanau hapu and iwi rallying it takes you know it takes a tribe to raise a child I never had that and so you know those are some of the things that I've had to contend with later on in life to try and figure out um you know so we're skipping through many years of of um oppression I think um and it's taken me a long time and I say a long time 20 years is a long time to find redemption in lots of things but also to love yourself you know, to love me for who I am and, you know, still learning, still trying to appreciate that, you know, I have the right to exist just as everybody else does. Um, and one of the key purposes of holding Hui Takatapu this year because impacts heavily weigh on us and the rainbow community is about identity. And that's what it's always been from day dot. Who am I as opposed to what am I? And so, you know, I've had to find some creative ways to keep myself sane. <laughs> um, and for me, the one thing that I realised as I was, you know, coming back from Mahui today, trying to get my head around what I was actually going to talk about, because I never prepare anything. Um, you know, I said, what is it? What is that one thing that keeps you going and that keeps you alive, that um, keeps you grounded, you know, to continue the kaupapa? And it is the kaupapa for me. I'm kaupapa focused, I'm kaupapa orientated, and I'm kaupapa driven, and the kaupapa being identity, me, the mahi that I'm doing, um, which also helped as well along the way um, for establishing the Royal Commission of Inquiry into Abuse and Care, which I'm also part of the advisory committee on. So I advise the commissioners and I advise the minister on, on um, issues that have impacted survivors and the experiences of survivors and in the last four years that I've been doing that mahi, you know, I realised that we're all not so different after all. We're all suffering the same impacts that have got us here in the first place, the processes that have got us here and, you know, the decimation of our identity. And through this journey, you know, I, had, I learned very quickly to appreciate appreciate myself and appreciate life because I didn't didn't earlier on in, in life 
And I'll just pause there because I'm really conscious that I can talk about wow, no. my life and go on and on and on. But it's about the people receiving that as well. And that's Hobota is a part of that. You know, whatever you say and whatever you deliver also has an impact on the receiving audience. So yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, Hauora has that importance. It's it's not only about us personally and what we do, but it's about what we give out and, and how we speak with others, care for others, connect with others. Uh, and it's a journey on both sides, right? It's never just a one-way conversation. Um, and, and thank you for sharing your truth today because I think that's incredibly powerful. Um, and we appreciate it. Oh, uh, what I'm keen, my question is, is what things do you do for your hoora, your personal hoora? Like you, you have a very large weight of responsibility on your shoulders. Um, how do you find your, what, what feeds you on the inside? So you're saying the kaupapa feeds you and then how do you actually feed yourself outside the outworking? You know, in, in my earlier years, I, re- I relied heavily on drugs and alcohol to not have to worry about and think about um, getting up the next day. Um, and so through that whole journey, you know, I had to learn to not be so reliant on solvents and alcohol. In the last kind of 15 or so years, you know, that hasn't been quite evident in my life because... I simplified what I ended up, what I what I wanted to do. And simplified for me was as simple as going home, closing the door, locking it, and going to bed. You know, and just having the ability to just shut the door and shut the world out and just shut down and actually rest your brain. Um, and you know, he oranga huatanga. You know, because it takes me, and this isn't me being too spiritually connected. But it does take me to another world. It, it, it reminds me of where I've come from. And I have been attending some Amukaura Wananga recently in Tiarawa, where I've spoken about this. And one thing that one of the tohunga said to me was, you know, he manu haere pō. You're able to navigate both worlds because of the trauma that you've suffered. And in that trauma, you've found healing. Um, but I haven't... It hasn't been an easy journey. Um, and so, yeah, simple things for me, such as, you know, just letting it go because, you know, come mohara. I always, you know, the mohara for me just remained and I just have to let it go. I cannot fix the problems of the world because, you know, can't fix your own problems. And it is as simple as, you know, just taking some time for me and saying no and closing the door and just turning your phones off, turning your laptops off, you know, disconnecting from social media, disconnecting from the kaupapa for just a little bit, but not too long. Um, and, you know, just rejuvenating enough to get you over the next hurdle. Um, but that takes practice. Not everybody can do that. And I'm not a master at it. I'm still refining it day by day. Um, yeah, and believe it or not, I love cleaning. <laughs> oh, we love the cleaners. <laughs> we do love the cleaners, especially because we're not, not that we're, we're not that into cleaning. No. <laughs> so you find it therapeutic doing cleaning? I actually do. I, because I'm so OCD anyway. You know, any little speck of dust does my head. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, it 
in, in order to get peace of mind, you know, I have to clean not just that spot, but everything else around it, which ends up being the whole entire whare, um, mm-hmm. much to some people's, you know, um, amazement, because they're just like, just sit down and rest. And I said, I can't until it's clean. And that's an absolutely true statement. Mm-hmm. I cannot rest until it's clean. Um, so, yeah, I have simple mechanisms for myself in terms of the practical aspects. In terms of, um, you know, the psychological, um, mm. the psychological kaupapa that goes on within people, mm. um, I find having a very close-knit network of friends that, you know, know me intimately and, you know, I, I don't feel afraid and ashamed to to cordial with them about anything and everything. Um, that helps. That helps with, you know, with your healing journey, with finding and coping mechanisms um, and true friends for me, I can count them on one hand, you know, and that in itself has also taken a lifetime uh, to grow. Um, and it was funny. And the other thing I was thinking about when I was coming over here as well, well, what actually do you do? You know, not what everyone else does. What actually is it that you do for yourself? And I was trying to think, oh, my God, I'm going to be boring. No. <laughs> so, I, there's I, no I right way. Sleep. No right way. I think I'm always so like. I want to do a sleep and, you know, I wake up. I can, and, you know, for me, because my brain is just so chocker in having to put things into perspective and prioritise things, sleeping for two days only feels like 24 hours for me. Mm. But it's enough to keep me going, you know. Because your your brain is so active, your body is so active, you're so active, you know, you just go, 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 go. And then when you sleep, you have you feel like you've only slept for 24 hours. But in essence, you've slept for more than 24 hours. And so, you know, that that actually does give me life. It it reminds me that I'm only human, I think is the key word. You know, remind myself that I'm only human. I think sleep's a very valid hoarder uh, move as well. Totally, totally. I mean, there's all sorts of research into sleep and how, you know, sleep can have an impact on you uh, in terms of your clarity of mind, your ability to work, your concentrate, but also like long-term effects of sleep as well. I just wanted to say, Faya, that, you know, this for me is a very humbling experience in having recorded all with you. It um, brings home the um, it brings home the place of privilege that someone like myself come has come from. Um, growing up, it didn't it didn't feel like that, but you know when I hear your pūraka, when I hear your story when you share your lived experiences um, and, you know, just speaking with you today, I just feel the sense of tau, like uh, just a real, you know, kia tau te that's, that's how I feel uh, when you speak, you know, peace, love and harmony. And mm-hmm. um, just it kind of makes you check yourself. <laughs> um, and I just want to, I, I, you know, there's not enough mihi in the world to mihi to you, fire. Um, and so, but I would like to take the opportunity to mihi to you. And, um, and you know, you've, it sounds like you've found your sense of what home is, you know, because hononga to us, this connection is so important. 
you know, uh, our, where we come from, our tribal affiliations, our awa, our maunga. And so, yeah, I just, but I feel like you have a sense of home, wherever that home is for you. And I just, and to um, have journeyed and navigated your way, you know, being be the kaifakateri of your own destiny and of your own life, I just, yeah, can't mihi to you enough, but I'm a to you for. So, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm getting, uh-huh. I'm getting emotional, actually. <laughs> but, yeah, it just, it just um, you know, when we talk about haora, when we talk about well-being, I mean, what a beautiful um, rangatira that you are, fine, and all that you've navigated to be where you are now. And, yes, you're busy and you've got lots going on, but the fact that you can recognise so much, I think, is incredibly admirable. So I just want to hug you. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever meet me, just watch out because I'll probably come flying into your arms. <laughs> So, yeah, just thank you. Thank you for sharing. I think, Ismail, what really stands out to me is that you have claimed your ho'oda space. Like, you you know what suits you. You've worked your way. Like, you, you from my perspective, you, you know, you're exhibiting, you're at peace now with who you are, what your life is. How, you know, you've designed your life and chosen your life and claimed what works for you. And uh, so that is a really incredibly valuable and incredibly toughly won space as well. So uh, I just think that that is great and incredibly inspiring. I know that people listening to your kōrero today will be inspired of of that journey that you've navigated and um and found your way. And now that you've also found that space, like you are still giving for the next generation, you know, like you, you could have just claimed it and then gone off and done your own thing. But instead you're actually, you know, through Intersex Aotearoa, now you are you're giving into that space for the next generation so that less people will have to have that kind of um, the challenges that you have had to experience through and find your way through. Because my understanding of our tūpuna or the ways of being that we had prior to colonisation was that intersex whānau and, and, and um, takutāpuhi whānau, they were so welcomed within our communities. They were an accepted part of our communities. They lived amongst us. There was no different treatment. And so by you living in your light, you're actually living in the light of our tūpuna, of our ancestors that came before us. And I think we need to acknowledge that, you know. And so this, you know, your journey or your life, you know, that was probably a lot to do with westernised perspectives and colonisation of our thoughts and our minds and of our beliefs. So, yeah, I and make, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that that was, we did not... We did not outcast. No, no. And one thing I always say when, you know, I I do speak publicly about this is that our fucking papa doesn't discriminate. Humans do. And I said, and, and I say, you know, our people were celestial people. They were wairua people. They were all te ao nehena. 
and I said, and there was no discrimination in that world um, for Māori. And I said, and that connects to the Indigenous realms that we all belong to, that indigeneity. And I said, so everyone, you know, that says indigenize your mind, but decolonize it, you know, put that into practice, because actually indigenizing your mind for better ways of living in your own development starts with you realizing what your issues are. And I think for people that are still trying to navigate that, you know, you've got to dig deep. You've got to dig deep. And I also say, you know, I kind of got here without coming from somewhere really dark. Mm. And the journey into the light, is so enlightening. And, you know, I don't know, I don't think I have enough energy to be able to share that with people, but I found the mechanism to do that. And he oranga kero to itera mahi. And such a beautiful example of te fire. Such a beautiful example of coming into the light. So I don't have a lot more to say <laughs> because I just, yeah, I just uh, accept that. Yeah, just, oh, I think you can feel it. I don't think there's any kupu to describe the whakaro and kōrero that is streaming through my tinana and my nako right now, fire. I think it's just yeah it's it's you know and I'm not always you know it, it, the thing is as I say to people you know I'm not always this down and lowly you know and always talking about my trauma you know I know how to have fun you know we can always take the mickey out of each other and still be human and someone said something to me one day and said you've got such a colonized view and I said mm, no no I don't I said what I have embraced though is evolution mm. and I said an evolution is totally different to colonization I said we're evolving not only our whakaro our, our minds our hearts we're evolving our people and you know and I never really believed in that whole corridor around so it doesn't so the next generation doesn't have to suffer but, you know, I've learned to appreciate and really, really respect that what we are doing now and the journeys that we all have is so that, you know, the next generation don't have to go through what we have or can make it better for what they're currently doing now. Mm. I think that power of the seeds in community is so strong and and I think as well, you know, it always comes back to me because no one person has to hold everything, right? So you can't be all things to all people. But we all pay our, play our part in the change, you know, of being the change that we want to see. And then over time that change grows and morphs and gets bigger and, um, and, and we get closer. It's not a finite date or period. We never get to the end. Mm. But we all play our part and then out of that comes more opportunities, better situations, you know, more araha mm. and, it, and it creates a better environment for other people, you know, and that's our contribution. And, and then we, there's a wealth in that as well for us of being able to be part of the contribution, I think. Yeah, I sang a, I sang a waiata earlier today in another session and it, it's the same waiata for fire too and then I've just realized fire too too uh, that I listened to your corridor at the commission I'm pretty sure you presented and I'm thinking oh that's right I listened to her 
<laughs> but you know, there's a because I can never be lost. I am a seed born of greatness, descended from a line of chiefs. I think that just twice that's come to me today and um, and so far too. Yeah, I don't, like I said before, I don't have much to say, but um, I have watched you. I've watched you present your story um, and it's a reminder to all of us after your corridor today, uh, whether we're intersect, intersex, whether we're whatever we are, whatever we choose to be, whatever we acknowledge, whatever we recognise, that we are all seeds born of greatness. Yeah, so just a whole lot of battle heart to you, fire. Kia ora, kia ora. Well, I hope, you know, that, that my corridor will resonate with some. Um, and it usually does. <laughs> my inbox will usually be blowing up after I've said something because, you know, and, you know, and I love it. I love that people are recognising that, lived experience matters and lived experience from a Matauranga Māori perspective, you know, it, it actually means what it means, mm. you know, and that people are wanting to find their way through that. So, yeah, I really hope that it resonates as much as it has with, with you both today. So, yeah, thank you for having me. It's it's not very often that, you know, I just actually get to sit and call it all like this because, you know, someone scripted you something to write or you prepared a speech or you prepared something, but never does do I get the opportunity to just sit and call it all from without any barriers, you know, because as you can tell, this isn't scripted. Yes. Well, I think, you know, when you talked about the social changes that are coming, we had a, this is a social change, right? The social change of acceptance of many things. And this is mm. a social change that has happened. And I think, also, there's social acceptance of people's lived experiences. Here's me saying I don't have anything to say now, I'm saying it. But, <laughs> yeah, th there's an acceptance of people's lived experiences because for too long we have swept things, and I and I say this because I think of my own whanau, mm -hmm. swept things under the carpet that we will no longer sweep under the carpet. So mm -hmm. I think that lived experiences... Uh, when we talk about being tika, when we talk about being pono, when yeah, it's it's time to be to be pono antika about our lived experiences. So, yeah, I think it's your lived experience has been. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namahi aroha fire. Namahi aroha. Namahi nui aroha. <laughs> You've been listening to a Tato Tato podcast with Tuihana and Rochelle. Proudly brought to you by Huie Community Aotearoa, Volunteering New Zealand, Centre for Social Impact, and Wu Wellbeing. Tenakote, Tenarata Tato Katsua.